Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds, another holiday edition here as we make our way toward New Year's. And last night, the stars came off the holiday break and kind of a weird situation. And uh, we'll talk about that as well. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm uh, joined by what I like to call the NHL and stars guru of uh, EP Sports and uh, also Shap Shots. He's Sean Shapiro. Happy holidays to you, sir. You too, man. I hope you had a. I hope you enjoyed a bit of the break. I hope uh, everyone out there had a good uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever they celebrate, and and I hope everyone is uh, enjoying. Kind of uh, this is kind of the weirdest week of the year, right? Like it's kind of the space where it's between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, you're trying to be efficient, but at the same time, you're like, ah. This is, I still want to get some rest in before the new year starts. It's kind of a, a weird week for, yeah. for life. It's, it's always kind of uh, one of those weirdest things. Like I know uh, over here, my my wife and I have talked about like, oh, we'll try to get this project done. And then you're like, hey, you know what, though? Sounds like a really nice idea to sit on the couch and catch up on that TV show. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's true. You know, uh, Jack Ryan, season three, very impressive, actually. Um uh, I don't know how others feel of that, but I got into it over the holidays and uh, I was impressed. It reminded me of was uh, when I was a kid and watching the original Jack Ryan's with Harrison Ford and Alec Baldwin. And people don't really think of Jack Ryan with Hunt for Red October. That's kind of the where it all started. So that was my favorite movie growing up. Yeah, I got to catch it. I saw season one of that show. I have to catch yeah. up. It's kind of on the like get to well, I got to I haven't done season season two and three are going to be kind of like a, a load up. And next time. For me, the next show to kind of get going on that I have avoided kind of getting spoiled on, but I've heard so much talked about it, is the Andor show. I want to the, okay. uh, the, the Star Wars show. I've, I don't know anything. I don't know much about it other than I've heard it's great. And so Andor is kind of on my list that I think I'll probably be tackling uh, tonight after. I'll probably I'll probably after probably this evening sitting on the couch. That'll probably be the show I try. I, I start up tonight. You deserve a few hours off of hockey tonight, sir. Yes. yes. Um, so I, I started the podcast by saying weird because one of the interesting aspects of the um, new players agreement is that rather than fly in on Monday, which teams usually do, it's required that you fly in on game day coming out of this holiday break. So every team that was away last night, and obviously if you're the Islanders playing against Pittsburgh, it's not that bad, but you know, for the stars, um, you have to fly in, get those legs ready, and then uh, come out flying. And uh, and they did picked up a nice two points in in Nashville. Um, I I was excited about the start. I mean, you mentioned a few weeks ago, spot on, how aggressive Carolina was on the forecheck. The first period last night, I'm like, whoa, we are the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, we had Nashville backed up into their end. They struggled to get it out of their zone. I thought we had a lot of chances. And then, unfortunately, the power play, two straight opportunities with delay of game penalties because you were really forcing Nashville to try to get it out of their zone, and it forced two minors. And, unfortunately, the Stars couldn't cash in on that. I think it kind of changed the momentum. Uh, second period kind of swung uh, toward Nashville's way when the Stars took a couple of uh, unfortunate penalties. and uh, But, luckily, in the end... Uh, you know, they pulled it out. So you take it from here, Sean, wherever you want to go. If you want to talk overall, yeah, I have about four or five players that I want to spotlight uh, from last night as well. 
Yeah, and I'll keep it. The thing, the general theme for me looking at last night, and it's just kind of a, um, and I'm not sure if it's specific to the opponent. And I'm not sure. I actually, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to ask someone. I'm not sure if this is more of a stars led thing or a predators led thing, but it always seems to me that the stars fortune, like Nashville is a team that has been kind of always bullied a bit by good forechecking teams. That's something where the predators have always been that. And no matter who the head coach is and the stars have had quite a few, obviously over the past four or five years, we, 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 that's been well documented, but no matter who the stars head coach is, they always seem to find um, the success in Nashville always seems to be built off the forecheck. Like I think of um, some of the big moments between Nashville and Dallas, the, the winter classic, of course, but you think of that, that game turned, um, if, if, if you, if you, if you took a minute to kind of break down what happened on the ice and took away from the scene of it all, which was beautiful. Um, it was the four check on the ice that kind of turned that game for Dallas. Um, when these teams met in the playoffs in 2019, it was the four check by Jamie Ben against, uh, Ryan Ellis, I believe that just changed and basically was the moment where Dallas said, I'm taking over where the star said, we're taking over this series. And so, they don't always develop the forecheck against Nashville, but it just seems to me that the playbook for Dallas's success against the Predators has been get the forecheck going because Nashville doesn't handle it as well. And um, I'm not sure if last night is Pete DeBoer sitting in there and saying like, hey, this is how guys we know this is because of Nashville or if it's just a coincidence that it happened against Nashville. I'd be curious of what the answer is to that, but um it's it's just something that I've noticed with the, with the, that Predators team and having seen a lot of them. It's if you can get a forecheck going against them, they tend to get unwound and rattled a bit. And um, the the Stars keep when when they have been their best against the Predators. That's what happened. And we saw that last night. Like I thought, the obviously Jamie Ben scores the goal that moves him into second all time in franchise history. And it's kind of, it, it, you feel kind of, it's one of those where technically no one else touched the puck. So there is technically yeah. no other assist, but it's like Ty Delandry and Tyler Sagan are both doing a great job on the four check there to, to, to force that turnover, to put Ben in that position where it's like, you, I'm, I'm sure uh, if it wasn't for, it's the type of play where like, if you were like in a, if it wasn't the NHL, like if it was the AHL or if it was any league below the NHL, you'd probably get the coach going in and being like, oh, hey, by the way, this other guy touched it. He deserves an assist. Like, right. That's like that's the type of play where like Delandry and Sagan won't end up on the score sheet for it. But they created that goal for Ben. And it's uh, and it just said it just set a tone for what the stars needed to do throughout the game. A couple. I think there's a couple. You can nitpick a couple things what happened. I didn't like the the later in the game. I thought the kind of the shorthanded goal against. I didn't. I didn't like yeah. just because of how it worked out. But in general, where I'm four checking against Nashville seems to be the go to, and Dallas knows it. I don't know if it's something where the players know it from playing them all the time or the coaches are saying it. But either way, get the four check going against the Predators, and that seems to be. The, the the big difference in those games and I'll, I'll let you take it from here but that, that was kind of my uh, that was my overall theme and i'll let you let us i'll let you lead us to some more uh specific uh specific individual well i want to start with the captain um yeah. because we're not mentioning that 9.5 million dollar salary this year and i love mm-hmm. that um yes. and the confidence of his shot um it just 
you know, it's amazing when you have line meets that create space and when you have confidence as a team and when you're uh, offensively confident. Um, I just think when you look at this team and you look at like, you know, obviously MVPs are, you know, you're looking at the Ottingers, the Robertsons, the Hints, the Pavelskis, but the emergence of Jamie Benn, um, reemergence of Jamie Benn, it's just special. You don't see it that often where all of a sudden, you know, and, and we kind of saw that in L.A. where Dustin Brown had some down years and and then had some good years after that when they kind of switched his role. And uh, I just feel like he's very comfortable out there and, you know, confident. And it's just, you know, it, it's great to see. I was watching the Nashville broadcast last night, and the reasoning is is because uh, I love the visitors' feed because, you know, I get insight about them um, yeah. for this podcast. And also, I like to see what the outside is saying about the stars. And they just went on and on about the resurgence of Jamie Benn and how much of a force he is. And then what's so cool is all of the um, different feeds that I've watched this year have talked about his tenure as a captain and the respect that he has in the room and on the ice. So I, I just thought that was really cool. And uh, I don't want to say we take him for granted on this podcast, but we probably have not talked in depth about the captain and what an amazing year he's having. Yeah, and the key, the key number for me on Jamie Ben this year, you talk about we're not talking about the $9.5 million. For me, the key number right now, and it changes slightly every game, but to me, the number is 15.08, and that's the 15 minutes and 8 seconds. That's the average ice time Ben is having per game this season. Um, that is the lowest in his – so his rookie year back when he was a 20-year-old, 2009, 2010, long, long time ago now, um, he averaged below 15 minutes. But other than that, <clears throat> other than his rookie season, he's never averaged below 16.26 in a season. He's averaging a full minute and a half below – his you know, below, I mean, actually his career averages 18, 11 a game. So he's averaging a f- almost three minutes less ice time per game. And something I've brought up about Jamie Ben before, and I, in, is that if there was ever a prime candidate in hockey for the NBA's version of load management, it would be Jamie Ben because you would be someone, if you could get 60, 60 with how his body is aged and the style he played 82 games it's just it's it's a lot and if you could get 60 games of the best Jamie Ben and or 60 to 65 games of the best Jamie Ben and doing some load management to make it work that would make your team better well Jamie's a proud guy he's the captain he would never sign off for that so I think Pete DeBoer has found the workaround for that I think Pete DeBoer has kind of gone like okay we're going to dial back Jamie Ben's minutes. We're going to keep, he's still going to be effective. He's still going to play in that role, but by bringing, by, but by taking his game count, by taking his minutes down almost two minutes, that's, that's almost, let's see. I'm doing quick math, literally doing a calculator math here right now. Like Pete DeBoer is almost saving him roughly roughly 10 games of wear and tear like of ice time that Jamie would have had last year. And that's, that's a lot of thing. That's a lot. That's a lot with the style Jamie plays. I know it's only, you're like, Oh, it's 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there, but it all adds up. And it's, if it stays on this trend, you're going to get a healthier 
more impactful Jamie Ben in the playoffs, like you're seeing all season. And it's just, and it comes down to he's being managed the right way. And that's something that I think Pete DeBoer deserves a ton of credit for. And I think obviously Ben does Ben, Ben was, is, was always going to be someone. I think the one thing, the only place Jamie Ben would ever draw a line is he's not going to sit games. That's not who he is. He won't be the guy who's like, I'm going to sit games, but I think he's accepted. This is the way to do it. This is the way to be the best version of myself at this point in my career. And you know what? It's working. And if I can have that version of Jamie Ben for 15 minutes a night, I'd rather have that than the guy, than the extra wear and tear because it pays off in the end. So it's. Yeah. And credit. also the physicality yeah. on that line with Mason yeah. Marchman, especially now, that probably takes a little load management off of him. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's It's just, it's, it's awesome to see. Um, and it, I think it's great to have a guy like Wyatt Johnston, um, with him as well. And I just, I love that those two are connected. I mean, Wyatt Johnston, wh- what a debut in the NHL to be connected with Jamie Ben on the line and live with Joe Pavelski. I mean, um, this kid, you know, hate, you never know what's going to happen, but you know, one would think he'd end up in a, you know, on a roll as far as hockey with how he's being, uh, taught, you know, how to do it the right way, where to be, the spacing, the practice, the extra ice time, uh, things like that. Another story I wanted to point out on Spits and Suds today, the game-winning goal last night, Rope Hints, as he just continues to impress. And I remember we were talking, and it was a very good contract for both the Stars and Rope. And the one thing that was the concern were those different injuries that came kept coming up in, in years past, but he's remained healthy and Boy, is he taking his game to the next level. He has added an element to his game, too. It's something where I, I brought this up. I wrote a game, some game observations last night over at, over at my site, Shap Shots, about this. And the thing, and it's not the exact same thing, but one of the things where you think of, like, the great goal scorers, and you think about as guys have aged and they find the developments. Like, we think of, and to use the the guy who's going to be the gold standard for goal scoring by the end of his career is Alex Ovechkin, right? And Ovechkin was, we think of him waiting there to tee up the one time or to be up that spot up shooter. And that's who he is. But his career, remember when he was, it was flash and dash. He was one of the best rush wingers, frankly, in the history of the game. He was such a force and that part's still there, but as his game and physicality maintaining his energy kind of became a little bit more important he continued to add other parts of his game he continued to refine and he almost has like two Ovechkin almost has like two careers almost one where you look at him and you think of that guy who was like a freight train to the other one where he's completely immobile but still but still a hammer there and Hintz hasn't turned into like a one-timer type guy but I Rope Hintz kind of came into the league flash and dash, big, carrying the puck into the zone, creating chances on the rush. Still part of his game, but he's really added that element where he's got the confidence and he's using those physical tools around the net now. I think we're just seeing so much more of hints when it comes to like both goals last night. First one's the little tip play. Yeah. Um, first little tip play where he's 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 doing the, the he wasn't really doing that earlier in his career. And then the second goal, um, it's kind of one of those plays where it's the understanding and spatial awareness to 
know when and when not to jump into the play. If he jumps into the play too soon, he doesn't score. If he jumps into the play too late, the puck's out. Like, it's just kind of understand. I, I think we're just seeing such a, such a nice uh, development and understanding of him around the net. And that was the thing where he frankly um, didn't need to be didn't need to be good at it. If you, if you get what I'm saying, because like you think about Pavelski and Robertson, both of them are just such net, so savvy around the net front that Hints didn't really have to do that. And and if anything, it could have been a crutch to stop Hints from becoming that guy. But I think to Rope's credit, I think he's taken what his line mates have done. Said, hey, they're getting a lot of points. They're making a lot of money. I'm gonna uh, try that as well. And I I think it's it's just kind of gone into this whole kind of growth of his game um there's a stat they it was it's amazing like this is how fortunate it is in stars land right now like hinset 38 points are right right now is third on the team in scoring he would be the leading scorer on 16 other nhl teams wow like that's it's his 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 numbers are obviously being appreciate his play is appreciated here by us and in dallas but I think just because of what Robertson's de- done and because of Pavelski's bigger name in North American hockey, I think it's kind of, he's getting, the, he, he is still a bit underrated on the national scene with what he's been doing because of what those, because of the other two guys on his line. That's nothing against him. It's just a reality. 